What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. We are exactly one week away from football becoming real. And if you listen to this podcast, you're probably in a fantasy draft. And that fantasy draft is probably this weekend. So I tried to time it up the right way. Friend of the show, NFL Media's Marcus Grant does an awesome job. All things fantasy at NFL Network. Marcus, it's been a while, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Just, you know, we're all trying to survive, right? But football's back. That makes life a little bit better. So uh, let's let's tee it up and get ready to go. Let's do it. What's this week like for you? I, I'm sure people coming out of the woodwork for advice as we get closer to the season. Yeah, you can sort of tell. I can, I can tell when we're getting closer because like my Twitter mentions and my DMs start to fill up a little bit more with people like, you know, people that maybe haven't talked to in a little while. Um, I, I know this is sort of, it's a weird dead week, right? This whole, you know, non-week between the preseason and the regular season is new. So I'm still trying to figure out how to survive it. So I'm just, I'm treating this like an extended week one, basically. That's pretty much what it is. And for the purposes of this podcast, guys, what we'll do is we're going to go through each position group the the charger or chargers in those position groups and where Marcus thinks they're going to go. And in addition to that, Marcus is going to give us a, a couple sleepers at that position that maybe you could target a little bit later. Uh, let's just start at the top with Justin Herbert, the reigning offensive rookie of the year. I think last year, the QB nine, and he started week two, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, over 4,300 yards passing, a new offense, a new coaching staff, Marcus. Uh, he's proven that he has a built-in connection with Keenan Allen. Uh, there's so many other playmakers on this offense. How do you view Justin Herbert in 2021? I still think he's a top 10 quarterback. And, and I know there's some concerns about just the learning curve with a new offense and a new offensive coordinator. But I think what we saw out of him last year sort of shows that this guy is ready to be among the top tier quarterbacks, not only in this league, but in fantasy football. And he's really being drafted as such. Most times I see him coming off the board somewhere as the quarterback eight or nine, uh, something around there. You're going to have to you know, make a play for him in probably the sixth round if you want to get him. But just with the way he jumped in last year, right? I mean, literally thrown into the deep end of the pool against the Kansas City Chiefs and, and playing admirably in that game and just really taking off from there, I think gives people a lot of confidence. Then you throw in the weapons around him with Keenan Allen, with Austin Eckler, uh, with Mike Williams. I think that just that just goes to show that people are really excited about this Chargers offense, and you're going to have to make kind of an earlier play if you want Justin Herbert as your quarterback. And Marks, I think the mystery around it, too, is, is you mentioned a new offense. What's that going to look like in comparison to last year? Justin has the wheels. Will those rushing touchdowns potentially go up? And then the absence of Austin Eckler for a stretch of the 2020 season, how much better will that make Justin? Taking all that into consideration, what do you think Justin's ceiling is in 21? I think his ceiling is, is probably a top five quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think more realistically, I think you're, you're probably pegging him about where he finished last year, right? That's eight or nine, which is, you're still talking about a QB one, but I think if everything pans out, you can get him probably into that top five. I mean, I still like guys ahead of him, like Mahomes, like Josh Allen, maybe Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, you could throw maybe a, a Dak Prescott or, or maybe a Lamar Jackson in there, but there's really a small number of players that I feel like have the potential to score more fantasy points than, than Justin Herbert this year. Marcus, your philosophy on quarterbacks, let's say you don't get any of those guys that you mentioned and Justin goes off the board. How, wait do you, how late do you wait, rather, and 
who are two or three guys that you'd be comfortable with getting in later drafts? Yeah, I think we still want quarterbacks with rushing upside. You know, that that's the thing that you know, Herbert does provide that. So if you can't get one of those guys in sort of the mid rounds, you can still wait until the ninth round or later and get a quality quarterback. Jalen Hurts uh, is a guy that I like who runs the ball effectively. I think we're still learning about him as a passer, but the fact is he he has rushing upside on par with a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson, and that kind of gives you some, some excitement there. Uh, another guy that is certainly available in the later rounds, you can stay in the same building at SoFi Stadium and, and go get a Matthew Stafford, who I think has a lot of potential now that he's in L.A. working with Sean McVay and those receivers over there with the Rams. He's another guy that I like. And a guy that I feel like has been really underrated this offseason is Ryan Tannehill, who has done mm. nothing but succeed since he took over for Marcus Mariota there in, in Tennessee. Now they get Julio Jones, which... You know, getting a guy like Julio Jones only makes your offense better, right? You pair him with A.J. Brown. You've got Derrick Henry standing behind you. There are a lot of good things to like with the Titans. And for some reason, I feel like it hasn't really translated into maybe a high draft ADP. But uh, I'm thankful for that discount, and I'll take it wherever I can get it. All good stuff. Let's go to running back. Austin Eckler, there's some mystery around this guy, too, because there is a new offense here. And a lot of people are drawing comparisons to potentially an Alva, Alvin Kamara type role. Austin was hurt, like I mentioned, for a stretch of last year. Where is he going in drafts and where would you be comfortable selecting Austin? For the most part, he's coming off the board either you know, near the end of the first round or right at the start of the second round. But there has been a steady drumbeat of hype building for uh, Austin Eckler over the last couple of weeks. And I've been in some, some drafts with you know, some of the other analysts and experts who do this. Uh, I have seen Austin Eckler go as high as number four overall because I think people wow. uh, really believe in what he can be. I mean, this, this is a guy who's been very productive throughout his career so far. And as you mentioned, Sort of those whispers of him being you know, the new Alvin Kamara in this offense have people very, very excited. So I was in a, a mock draft uh, earlier this week where, you know, it was Christian McCaffrey one Alvin Kamara went number two. Uh, it was Dalvin Cook three and then Austin Eckler right off the board behind Dalvin Cook at number four. So I think for the most part, you're probably talking about late first round. But, you know, it only takes one person in your draft to really love him and bump that draft spot up a few spots. Over the, I think since he got in the league, rather, one of the highest catch percentages among running backs is PPR a different ball game when we're talking about Austin Eckler? Maybe maybe you draft him a little bit higher. Yeah, you you definitely do. Um, you know the, the fact that you know you can count on him to to get a ton of targets is a plus, and it is it's a PPR world we're sort of living in nowadays, where that's that's kind of what most leagues are, and so I think that has a lot to do with it. I do think though, even in in standard non PPR leagues, there's still a lot of value for Eckler because we know a lot of the offense is going to run through him, and especially if they decide to use him uh, as a back near the goal line, give him some of those rushing touchdowns. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited, but but without a doubt, the fact that this is a guy who can catch you know who knows how many passes this year that's what have people that has people really really uh interested in him all right marcus running backs that you could get late i had a draft last week and i felt like it dried up pretty quickly it, who are maybe two or three guys in mid rounds mid to late rounds that you would be uh comfortable taking a flyer on one guy that I love in sort of the middle rounds is Javante Williams, the, the rookie out of North Carolina, now playing for the Denver Broncos. He was my favorite running back to watch during draft season because as I watched him, 
I didn't think he was spectacular at any one thing, but I thought he was very good at a lot of different things. And even though he's going to start the year in a rotation and, and he may start the year as the number two back behind Melvin Gordon in Denver, I wouldn't be surprised if you see that sort of flip-flop at some point midway through the year and he takes over as the lead back. So he's a guy that I love. Another one that I sort of like that, that you don't have to spend a lot of draft capital on is Jamal Williams in Detroit. Uh, Anthony Lynn, who certainly Charger fans are familiar with, uh, you know, yeah. it came out and said that he thinks Jamal Williams is kind of a 1A back and wants to use him as such in an offense that I think could, could really be kind of a two-headed monster with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. I think they're going to get very similar workloads, but the thing is Jamal Williams is coming off the board six or seven rounds later. Uh, I would rather take that discount if I could. And I think yeah, if you're looking for a guy who is sort of, you know, again, kind of later rounds of getting a lot of hype, Damian Williams with the Patriots uh, was a guy that I really liked anyway. And then when New England traded Sony Michelle to the Rams, I think that opens up maybe a little bit more opportunity for him. I think the other thing that helps Damian Williams uh, is Cam Newton not being there because in the past, when the Patriots got close last year, it was Cam who was sort of the de facto running back near the goal line. Now that he's not there, maybe some of those opportunities funnel to Harris. It's a great point. Let's go to wide receivers. I think since 2017, there's been few receivers as consistent as Keenan Allen. And, you know, we're talking four straight Pro Bowls. From a fantasy perspective, last year, uh, 100 balls, 992 yards, eight touchdowns. He found that instant connection with Justin Herbert. I think he was targeted 19 times in two separate games last year. How do you view Keenan Allen? Would you be comfortable having him as your wide receiver one or like a top end wide receiver two? He's a wide receiver one for me. And, you know, he's he's in one of those weird spaces where I think we all recognize how good he is. It's just you know, when you talk about the rankings of wide receivers, it's it's who do you move out, you know, to, to move him up a little bit. But yeah. because of that, I think people are getting a really good value on him. He's coming off the board in, say, the early to mid third rounds in a lot of leagues. And But he is. He's a solid wide receiver one. We know what we're going to get. That consistency is generally there week in and week out. And as you mentioned, he seemed to have almost an instant connection with Justin Herbert. We know he's going to get 120 targets. We know he's probably going to catch in the neighborhood of a hundred passes this year. He's going to get you around a thousand yards. He's going to find the end zone. So, you know, if you are somebody who maybe you go a couple running backs early, or you like, for me, I like to take a tight end early, like a Travis Kelsey or a, a Darren Waller. Uh, if you want to get one of those guys in the first couple of rounds, Keenan Allen is generally sitting there waiting for you somewhere in the middle part of the third round. And, and that's a pretty good place to be to get your wide receiver one. No question about it. And I think last year there was so much uncertainty with Tyrod Taylor starting. He All he knew was Phillip Rivers, right? And then Justin <laughs> Herbert comes in week two, and Justin spread the ball around so much. But that one constant was Keenan when Keenan was in the lineup. Uh, another receiver, Marcus, this guy's fascinating to me this year, Mike Williams. So earlier this offseason, Joe Lombardi talked about the X receiver position in New Orleans and how Michael Thomas played that role, how he envisions Mike Williams playing that role and he said it's a safe bet that Mike Williams is going to have a pretty big year numbers wise where would you draft Mike Williams is this the type of guy who you take a late round flyer on and maybe he puts up wide receiver three potentially wide receiver two numbers I do I, I, I like Mike Williams and I like the fact that I don't know if everybody's sort of caught up yet because he's still being drafted, you know, round 10 or later so again you're not putting out a lot of draft capital for a guy that I think a lot of upside and for for people 
you know, say if you're playing in best ball leagues or if you just like stacking your quarterback and wide receiver together, you know, maybe it's difficult for you to get the Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert combo. It's probably a little bit easier, though, to get a Justin Herbert, Mike Williams combo and play for some of those big chunk plays, potentially hopefully get some of that touchdown upside. Uh, I like him as a as a, you know, a third wide receiver, maybe a little depth uh, on my roster. And I, I feel like people have sort of overlooked him a little bit. But I think I think there's a big breakout year coming for him this year. And I feel like when you don't hear those names and you don't see them out there for preseason over like the last few or you know, let's say three or four weeks, you tend to forget just the production that he could potentially have in this new offense. Marcus, a, a couple other receivers, sleepers, mid to late rounds. Who are you targeting? Uh, middle rounds, I've, I've really kind of jumped on the Devontae Smith bandwagon, the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama, who's now playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. From the moment he was drafted, I think he became Philadelphia's best receiver. I think he's going to get a ton of targets in an offense that I think is going to be a little more pass heavy than people are anticipating. So I, I definitely like him. Uh, you get to some of the, the later rounds. I think Debo Samuel is is maybe getting overlooked because everybody has moved on to Brandon Ayuk in San Francisco. But this Niners offense is still going to be very productive and Debo Samuel is going to be a part of it. And if you're talking kind of late end of draft sleepers, uh, I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit of a USC home here and pick on one of my fellow Trojans. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown with the Detroit Lions. Look, everything I have read and, and heard about him in Detroit suggests that he can sort of be Jared Goff's new version of what Cooper Cup was for all those years in Los Angeles. He's probably going to be their starting slot receiver. Uh, there's a chance he could be the number two target in this offense behind TJ Hawkinson. And you know, literally, you can use your last pick on the draft. In some leagues, he's probably going to be undrafted. But I do think there are good things coming for Amon Ra. And no Perryman now. He was no released, Perryman, right? right? That too. Yeah, Brashad Perryman is not there anymore. So uh, that opens up some more opportunity potentially. Tight end, Jared Cook. I've said this a few times on this podcast. Over the last three years, only Travis Kelsey has more touchdowns among tight ends. Jared Cook is going late or undrafted in many fantasy drafts. Uh, where would you be comfortable? Would, would you have him as, a, as an undrafted guy, as somebody you could take a, a late-round flyer on? Be comfortable with a tight end one from from week to week, Marcus? Yeah, I, I don't know that he's a tight end one. The thing about tight end right now is that it's it is easily the shallowest position in fantasy. You, you've got your your big three at the top, you know, your Kelsey Waller and Kittle. Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is sort of sliding into there. Uh, and then maybe you can throw a Mark Andrews or a TJ Hawkinson in there. Then you have a whole group of guys after that that could literally finish anywhere from tight end like seven to tight end 17. And and like you just you just throw those names up in the air and they will fall in any order and nobody will argue with you. Jared Cook's one of those guys that over the last few years, especially people look at him and I know he's not exciting. I know he doesn't get people fired up, but you know, you always have a few weeks in there where Jared Cook is productive and you know, he'll find his way into the end zone. He, he settles in. I mean, look, you don't hang in the NFL this long without knowing how to make plays, how to get open, how to make catches, how to make plays. And he does that. So I, I don't imagine he's going to get drafted in a lot of leagues or he'll be very late in drafts. But I can guarantee you there will be a few weeks where you have people sort of elbowing each other to try to get him off the waiver wire because the matchup's going to be good and he's going to find his way into the end zone a couple of times. So uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, it's it's maybe not sexy. But, uh, you know, it, sometimes sometimes you don't need sexy. Sometimes you need consistent. And that's what Jared Cook has been over his career. 
Marcus, if you get into a situation where those big three are off the board and you're just saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to wait till the end of this draft to get my tight end. Is there a couple of guys you, you'd feel good about? Logan Thomas is the name that I've really kind of latched on to in, in Washington. And you know, this, for all intents and purposes, is really just his second season as a full-time starting tight end. We saw it last year in Washington where he was productive at times. The numbers might not have shown it, but he played really well for the football team last year. I mean, before that, let's remember, this is a guy who was a quarterback in college and was converted yeah. to tight end and is sort of trying to learn his way. Now they've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think is going to make that more of a vertical offense. So I think maybe some of those yardage totals, which were disappointing last year, will start to boost themselves a little bit. Uh, the other guy that I, I've started to really find myself drafting late in drafts has been Jonu Smith. Um, I, I'm sort of curious how the Patriots offense is going to work, but just what I saw of them in the preseason suggests they really want to find a way to get Jonu Smith in space. He's athletic. He's got good speed. If they can just, whether it's some underneath stuff, some, some tight end type screens, just get the ball in his hands and let his athleticism make some plays for you. I like both him and Hunter Henry. And I, I spent all off season kind of flip-flopping between the two of them, but you know, Henry being banged up a little bit in the preseason and watching Smith work has me sort of siding there, but I do think both of them are going to have some value at some point during the year. Marcus, I'll get you out of here on this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on defense, but I, I look at Brandon Stanley, what he did with the Rams last year, and the playmakers that the Chargers have in the secondary with Thurwood James and Chris Harris Jr. and a ball hawk and Asante Samuel Jr., maybe some potential sacks and takeaways with Joey Bosa up front, Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil. Combining Brandon Stanley, what he did with the Rams, <laughs> and some of these playmakers, Bolt's defense could be a nice play in, in more weeks than not. Absolutely. You know, look, I mean, let's be real. Like when you're talking about defenses, you're probably taking them at the very end of your draft at some point, but the bolts are going to be definitely in that group. I think both, both the defenses at SoFi stadium are going to be very popular with, with fantasy yep. folks, both the chargers and the Rams uh, are going to be on a lot of fantasy rosters. And I think a lot of teams that are successful are going to have some success. Thanks to either that charger defense or that Ram defense. Marcus Grant, NFL media. Man, I love seeing your success. You're everywhere. Uh, where can people find you this upcoming season? Yeah, well, most of the stuff you can find on Twitter at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. But we got the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast that uh, comes out a couple times a week wherever you download fine podcasts. And then uh, five days a week, NFL Network. We are on NFL Fantasy Live. Check that 3 p.m. I say Pacific, right? Because this is a West Coast show. This is so it, three, yeah. 3 p.m. Check it out. Set your DVRs and we'll be there. Oh, I love it, man. It's it's always great catching up with you. Hopefully we can do this again uh, during the season. And uh, it's getting real, brother. We'll see you in a week. Absolutely. Always enjoy it, Chris. Take care. All right. As we roll on here on Chargers Weekly, please be joined by Haley Elwood, team reporter. Haley, haven't seen you in a while. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be back uh, joining you this week on Chargers Weekly. Back in the old setup, we're still rocking here, but you know, it's good. 2021, man. And I joke that I haven't seen it. I see Haley every day during training camp and, and leading up to this year. This has been a weird week, though. I was just talking to Marcus Grant about this. Three preseason games. This is kind of like this dead week before that final preseason game in week one, something that we're really not accustomed to. You know, it's really funny. Chris Harris Jr. actually talked about that today in his presser. He was asked about it and that, like you said, this sort of week zero, this in-between week. And he goes, 
It's like, I'm not really a fan of it. He's like, I'm a creature of habit, like used to a regimented schedule used to, Hey, this is when cuts happen on a Saturday, Sunday, that weekend. And then bam, you're rolling right into week one. Someone had asked him, well, like, isn't it kind of nice, you know, to take a little break? And he goes, a break? He's like, maybe this weekend. He's like, but we're still working. He he said it almost feels like an extra week of camp in a sense, because you're kind of now fine-tuning and installing things, which is something Brandon Staley's talked about doing this week. Now that your roster is pared down to what it is, sort of fine-tuning some stuff before you get to the game planning. But it was actually really funny to hear Chris Harris's perspective on it, because he was like... Nah, this is weird. Like this is a little different, especially when you've been in the NFL for as long as he has too. Especially because when you have a week off, you want it to be during the season, right? After <laughs> like five or six games, not when you're fresh in like champion at the bit to go at it in week one. Uh, Haley, obviously we're, we're going to talk about the podcast network. We got a lot of stuff cooking starting next week, but you and I were at camp every day. Your observations from a Brandon Staley led training camp it, so much new, uh, really kind of a breath of fresh air as we head into 2021. Yeah. I'm kind of going to reference Chris Harris again, because he talked a bit about Staley's philosophy and you and I heard him talk about this this week throughout camp, whatever it is that he's very much hell bent on uh, inputting the why finding the why and teaching the why as to how they do things. And Chris Harris talked about, you know, from the get-go, from the beginning, it wasn't, Hey, this is your job. This is what you're going to do. It's, Hey, let's just talk football. Let's just talk about the game. Let's just talk about who we're playing and talk it out. And he said, it's just really interesting. And when you talk about that new breath of fresh air, Chris Harris said, it might be a generational thing. It might be that, you know, he is sort of new and might've kind of taken pieces of this along the way. Ronaldo Hill likened him a lot to Nick Saban, that that's when he was with Saban, I believe in Miami, that was a similar philosophy that he had. And so it's really sort of now we're seeing that take shape. We saw it kind of go throughout training camp, kind of start in the preseason, but this is really where we're going to find out what this team is. I think just general observations, you know, another thing that Staley did too was, like in practice, very similar to how games are set up. And Chris talked about this in his presser again is, you know, we saw a huge emphasis on special teams, which I think is a two-parter. It's partly because this team hasn't been great on that side of the ball over the last few years. So there is an emphasis on it, but also there are periods in games, Chris Harris Jr. said, where we're not out on the field, you know, we're kind of hanging on the, on the sideline. So getting some of maybe those breaks that were put in the practice schedule, having those special teams, teams, chunks, getting guys kind of acclimated to, Hey, when you're in a game, you're not on the field the whole time, you're going to have breaks and, and really kind of get them in that mindset because we're getting close. You know, week one is literally a week away. There is a game to be played one week from today. Next week, I think it's Cowboys Buccaneers. I want to say, um, mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting, you know, the philosophies that have kind of unfolded and now we're going to see it in action. There's so many, I think, beliefs among the league, varying beliefs when it comes to preseason and how much you play your starters. And, you know, we've seen, I think, Josh Allen threw the ball like 26 times in the the Bills preseason finale versus a team like the Rams or the Chargers, where they're not putting their guys out there until it counts. And Coach Daly has talked about these practices, how important those practices are. And I agree with you. I think one of the cool observations is seeing how much special teams was mm-hmm. kind of put in between certain sections of practice, almost kind of uh, simulating a game in many ways. And that philosophy, 
if, if you haven't listened to Coach Staley's presser, I think from Wednesday, listen to that. It's it's such an interesting press conference talking about the why, talking about, mm-hmm. hey, the show don't or the what is it? The show don't tell, you know, the yep. uh, the old like journalism, like show me, don't tell me. It's almost like showing you how to do something as opposed to telling you how to do something. And he had so many wisdom nuggets in that presser that I suggest people check out. But one of those things, Haley, that kind of struck me was I want these players to know what the other 21 guys on the field are doing, because once I know that, then I can really be at my best in my position. So it, it almost requires these guys to think even more so, but to get to a point where it's so second nature, you're not thinking at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. It is just getting them extremely, extremely comfortable, whether it's with the schemes, whether it's with certain plays. I remember he talked about in that presser, talking to someone like Joey Bosa and running through, you know, hey, we hear five plays. What do you think of these plays against this opponent? What do you like the best out of these five? Which one do you think won't be the best? And and it seems also very collaborative. You know, I think back to even a presser earlier this offseason that Kenneth Murray gave where he talked about how he's going to be playing more downhill. They're kind of retooling him and his role in this defense to be more like what he did at college because that's what Staley felt he did best. And so kind of being really collaborative and getting on the same page so that, like you said, you know what everyone's doing, but that there aren't questions. And uh, I think it was Joe Reedy who, when he was talking with Chris Harris in the presser today said, you know, the word freelance, like, so no one's really freelancing. Everyone kind of knows what they're going to be doing, knows what works best. And that, that sort of on the cuff mentality won't be quite as there. Although look, we know it's the NFL. We know that things happen in games and you always have to stay on your toes, but preparing as much as possible so that you do feel as most comfortable as you can once a game kicks off. And that game kicks off 10 days from, as we're taping this on Thursday. And what I think is just so wild, Haley, is we have no idea what to expect September 12th in Washington on offense, defense, special teams. This is all new. We see what we see on the practice field before practice now, during training camp. But because we haven't seen any of these starters in preseason, that intrigue surrounding that game and who's on the other side when we talk about Chase Young and Montez Sweat and all these really cool storylines within the game, it, it has to be so fun for Chargers fans to just think about getting to September 12th and then actually watching it here in 10 days. Yeah, it really is a new era. And when you talk about the lack of starters that played in the preseason, it's a huge surprise. It is going to be a huge surprise because obviously the preseason and, and Staley talked about this too, you know, things are very vanilla. Things are very basic to a point where you just want to know what you can get out of some of these guys who are on the bubble or that you might have questions about. And so I think once you know, we do see that it's going to be really interesting and really exciting and and to see it all come together. And I think another huge part of this too, is the fans are back, you know, having fans back in stands and having more of a real NFL atmosphere is going to be something that's also really exciting as this 2021 season unfolds, just because of the fact that that was missing last year, you know, especially for us out here in LA, we did not have any of that. I know some games on the road, they were sprinkled in, but still not to the effect that, that it could have been. 
So I just think all of that is it's really intriguing and we'll see, but we're really excited. I also, I just want to take a moment to say just like, how crazy is it that the season is pretty much almost here? I mean, we joke all the time about off seasons and how, you know, people ask us like, Oh, what are you doing the off season? And it's like, what off season, you know, and now here we are in early September and we're ready to just, you know, roll it on one more time. I'm excited to actually just talk about football, but yeah. we, we do get to a point where, we're talking about the potential of this team and what could be in, you know, on paper, all, all these things in the offseason, all 32 teams right now have some sort of hope that they're going to have a winning season or they're going to make a run at a wild card spot or a, a division title, a, a conference championship, a Super Bowl. But now we can see it shake out. And for the Chargers, you, you play the NFC East. You got two tough games really off the rip against Washington and Dallas before going to Kansas City and the Raiders. Um, you got the Broncos with a pretty loaded team. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, we know, is going to be under center. Um, what have conversations that you've had at training camp? I know you've talked to a lot of people just about this division. And we know it starts with Kansas City and everybody is chasing them at this point. But after that, you know, Vegas has had their moments. The Broncos have a pretty good defense. Uh, when you talk about that loaded secondary and having Von Miller and Bradley Chubb back. And then the Chargers, I think the biggest piece, in addition to Justin Herbert Haley, is just having Derwin James back. Yeah, I think, look, like you said, it starts at Kansas City. They are, you know, they've been at the AFC. They've been at the Super Bowl, excuse me, two straight years in a row, won the AFC championship two straight years. They are you know, up there, they've won the whole enchilada. They fell short last year. I think I saw a tweet yesterday and, and I might be wrong about this, but I'm trying to correct myself and, and find it. But I think I saw that the Broncos have had one of the least amounts of roster turnover from year to year, which means that they actually really like the guys who they had. And now they're kind of working with it. And Teddy Bridgewater, obviously going to be starting there. Joe Lombardi today actually said he has so much respect for him. Very familiar, worked with him, obviously in New Orleans. And he goes, man, I wish that guy was in a different division, but you know, it's the NFL. It's a little incestuous. Everyone kind of comes and goes and, and makes their way. And then you look at, you look at the Raiders you look at a team that's very familiar with this Chargers team now just because of a lot of the coaches that have gone over there. You think of Gus Bradley, Ron Miles, and then a lot of the players too, familiar face and Denzel Perryman now coming over. So that week four game is going to be so interesting to me. And you and I have talked offline about this, but just from a defensive Raiders perspective and how they'll handle the Chargers offense, which is going to be different as we know, but yet there is familiarity. They know Keenan Allen. They know Justin Herbert. They know these guys. I think this is still one of the most competitive divisions in the entire NFL. And I think it's going to be competitive against again, excuse me, this year. And I'm really excited to see it unfold. Again, you have, you know, the Chargers play the Chiefs and the Raiders very early. They play Denver twice very late, and then they close out the season again. I think I think they get them all three again. Um, you get the Broncos after Thanksgiving, I want to say, and then you get the rest of the yeah. three, Casey, Denver, and, and Vegas in December and January. And so, you know, the, that's we can say this now, and we'll probably talk about it in season. That's the easiest road to getting to the playoffs is winning your division and winning those games. And everyone has a clean slate. And we're about to start it off very soon. And we should know pretty early where this Chargers team's at when we talk about Washington, Dallas, Kansas City, Oakland. Oh, by the way, 
Cleveland, who a lot of people think could be making that next step, uh, Baltimore, yeah. New England. It's not an easy schedule by any means to start. So you're going to have a pretty good idea uh, of where you're at. And if you can if you could start those first seven games above 500, you really set yourself up, especially when we know that these guys have not really played together in this scheme uh, from the offensive line to the back end of the secondary, you're going to gain confidence each and every week. So it won't be easy to start, but if you can kind of keep your head above water a little bit, you can really make a run in a 17 game season. That's a huge part of it. And I think the great thing about this chargers team is, is, as unfamiliar as some of those positions might be, there is a guy who has seen it before, has done it before, and has been part of this team before in those areas. So you look at the offensive line, it's kind of funny to say, but Brian Belaga is like the returning vet, even though this is only his second year at the Chargers. But he has the familiarity with Corey Lindsley, obviously going back to Green Bay. He's been a great resource from what I've heard with Rashawn Slater. So, but, but to your point, getting that unit working together in week one for really the first time is going to be a task and going to be interesting. And then you look at the back end of the secondary, you know, you have Derwin who's coming back, which is just phenomenal and fantastic. And we've heard all training camp long, just the acumen that he has, which we knew, but you know, now he's taken on more of a role and more of a responsibility in this Brandon Staley defense, calling the plays. And then you have someone like Chris Harris who talked today again about having to play some safety, be back there and sort of just be the kind of catch all guy to help other guys get in positions and get in places. And so I think that's one thing though, that as young as they are, there are veterans at certain positions that can kind of help some of those younger guys along the way. That's right. And, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I just talked to Marcus Grant uh, about this Chargers offense and Joe Lombardi obviously comes over. There's going to be some New Orleans influences, but Austin Eckler is a guy that is just he's so intriguing to me because he missed a stretch of last year. Mm-hmm. And we, we saw what Alvin Kamara was able to do in that offense. We know what Keenan has done. We, we've heard Joe Lombardi talk about Mike Williams in playing that X receiver and the numbers that he could potentially put up um, offensively. If we dive just a little bit deeper into this, Haley, with Justin, we've heard Coach Staley talk about how they want to make this offense for Justin, not he has to conform to it. I, I can't wait to see what that looks like come September 12th. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I think. You know, it's so funny reading Mina Kimes' article that she wrote her feature that she had on Justin Herbert. And if you haven't read it for anyone listening, like go to ESPN.com, please read it. It was very interesting and enlightening. And, And when she just talked with him about, again, that week two game that started against Kansas City, finding out seconds before kickoff. Look, we've run it through a million times, but it still is just so crazy when you stop and think about that moment and how he really just took the reins and and never looked back and set records and one offensive rookie of the year. And so I think, you know, that's part of it. I think sometimes you've seen other teams do that. Like you look at Buffalo, you've seen them sort of conform to Josh Allen and what he does best. And I think it's really great that you're going to see that out here now and, and really what it is that he can do. And with those pieces around him, we know his rapport with Keenan, we know Mike getting involved, but like you said, Austin Eckler, what Austin's role is going to be in all of this, who's going to be behind him is sort of the change of pace back. Um, I just think it's, it's really exciting right now to kind of see it all 
like you said, in camp, just kind of the, the like little inner working sort of come together, but really now we're just limited to 20 minutes out there at practice. They're stretching, they're activating their, their foam rolling They're Yeah. Doing some individual work, but we're going to be just as surprised as everyone else, um, in, in Washington for that week one game, which is going to be again, to your point, just a really, really good test, a big test against a solid defense. But I just think there's so much optimism now, like you mentioned for everyone around the league, but it is fun to kind of have that new era just sort of unfolding and you can feel it and you get that vibe. Kelly, you said it best. It, it never stops. It's a, it's an all year round situation here in the NFL, but the, the podcast schedule and the way it shakes out, it, it's been a lot of what could happen around the draft, yeah. the combine free agency next week, we ramp up on the Chargers podcast network and we're talking just straight ball during the 2021 season and playmakers is back for season three. I know you're excited to, to get this thing rolling again. Yeah, I'm really excited. We are back for season three. I know we kind of have a little bit of a different cadence where we take some time off. I like to honor women's history month in March with some special guests. And then we come right back when the season unfolds. So week one's guest is going to be the incomparable Shannon Farron. I know someone you and I just love and adore and she's great at what oh, yeah. she does, but she's, um, she's a great, I think tone setter too, in terms of kicking off the season. And I think she's going to bring a really interesting perspective, not only just on kind of what's happening with the chargers and what she saw during the preseason, but she had a really interesting 2020 in terms of how her role was affected by COVID. And now she's going to be back on the literal sidelines as that whole, what was it called? Operation zone moat is a thing of the past is now we're, we're still in COVID, but we're hopefully, navigating. hopefully the moat is forever yeah. gone, right? <laughs> forever gone. Knock on wood with that one. So I think just having her sort of um, really kind of break down a little bit, just how different a year like 2020 was for her and her role, and then getting into this chargers team. And, and like I said, sort of what she saw throughout the preseason for those three games is going to be great. I think throughout the year, I'm, you know, as you are talking with different networks, trying to get different guests booked. And I think for what people can expect from playmakers, I think it's going to be a mix. You're going to see some familiar faces like Shannon, some friends of the show, as we'll call them, but also some new faces, some new amazing women throughout the industry that we're going to highlight. And one of the cool things that I'm also working on with the NFL is trying to get as maybe as the year winds down, um, someone from the league to talk about Super Bowl 56, which look, we hope the chargers are in it, but it's in our backyard. It's in Los Angeles this year, going to be at SoFi stadium. And so to be able to have someone on to kind of talk about what to expect, hopefully we should know the halftime performer by then, but, um, you know, kind of broaden the horizons a little bit, talk about some of the really great things that are also going on at the broader NFL level as well. Well, it's a must listen. And I know you got some big time guests that I'm not going to name yet, but you just have to find out on Wednesdays. Yeah, you'll uh, have to find find out. We're uh, we're in the process of booking, and I, I think I have week two and week three nailed, but I don't want to give it away quite yet, just in case there's a little bit of a scheduling snafu. Absolutely. And then, and then also, hey, we're bringing back the final drive on Monday mornings, and, and I think what's cool about this is we're going to try to get on a, a player or a beat writer or somebody to really kind of recap the game um, after having a little bit of time to process everything that happens, uh, whether it's the press conferences uh, out of the locker room and just kind of a, a Monday morning quarterback, if you will. Um, but we're going to be bringing that to uh, to you on Monday mornings, Haley. I'm looking forward to that as well. Yep. With our Microsoft surfaces, 
we'll be that's right putting those back up here somewhere uh making them visible but yeah i think anytime you can kind of break down rehash hopefully we'll have some wins, some awesome wins to talk about. That'll be fantastic if those happen. But like, I think you said, I think adding a, a voice, I remember when we would kind of do a post-game pod a couple of years ago, having, you know, Eric Williams, who was with us at the time for ESPN, just another voice to kind of bring a perspective, different perspective or a player will be awesome. And man, again, we're rolling. It's week one. We're rolling, almost. man. We're rolling. Week we- half. We got final drive Mondays. We got playmakers Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. We have chargers weekly and puro chargers in that Thursday to Friday time frame as well. So Francisco Pinto, Adrian Garcia Marquez, love those guys, man. They, they are, uh, they just bring such great positive energy to this organization. And I'm really excited for them kicking off puro chargers in season two. And Haley, it all starts next week. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Shannon on the pod and uh, getting this thing going. Yep, we're going to get it going. We're really excited. It all starts Monday. Might be Labor Day. Not for us. Game week. Monday game no week. No days off. Day. No days off. First day of prep for uh, for Washington, apparently. And yeah, really excited about that. Also, really quick note about Francisco and Adrian. Loved having those guys at camp. Man, when you talked about vibe and energy, like every single day they were out there. And I think the fans, when they would kind of intermix and the bleachers and do stuff with them they love the them best. too so they're just they're awesome if you're listening to this chances are you were in those bleachers and chances yeah. are you probably talked to Adrian or Francisco at some point during camp so love having those guys on board excited for playmakers Haley uh we're gonna sign off until next week that's gonna do it for us a big thanks to Haley Elwood and Marcus Grant for joining me Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review Chargers Weekly on video on our YouTube channel every Thursday, also on Chargers.com. Have a great weekend. Week one starts next week. I'm Chris Hayward.